Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Morning, yes. On uh, the fact that God doesn't have perspectives, He's got plans. However, you and I live in a fallen world where obstacles and difficulties arise and where everything is not yet subject to His reign in our world. That's why Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. And so because we're in that kind of a space, and you, you know this to be so, because it's like that, we need a perspective in our life that reflects that. I was talking to a friend of mine just this week in another state, and uh, he and his wife are going through some of the deepest valleys and the and some of the most challenging times of their entire life. And I was just encouraging him and saying to him, you know, that I love faith. I love the fact that faith gives an option. I love the fact that we don't just have to accept the impossible. We don't just have to lay down because that's what someone said or because that's what it looks like, or because someone else we know uh, couldn't uh, go through that well. But we have a choice to believe God. And that's why perspective is so important in your life. I really want you to kind of really lean in for this this morning, because I know this is not a Christmas message. I don't really do Christmas kind of you know, traditional stuff like that. I believe God's put something on my heart for every single one of us, myself included, so that we can journey, not just this Christmas season, but whatever lies ahead of us in the months and the years to come. Amen. First Kings chapter 19, verse 1 says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword, 850 of them. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. That's a very fancy and erudite way of saying you are dead meat. Pretty much that's it. Verse 3, watch the way it says it. And when he, Elijah, when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. We are told in just the, the chapter before this, we are told about another race that Elijah ran. And that's where he outran the chariot of Ahab by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God came on him and he ran under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But now in this verse, it's an entirely different run. Now he's running not with the Holy Spirit on him, but now he's running with the spirit of fear on him. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. Watch this. And he left his servant there. This man... When he saw that, he's gone from slaying 850 prophets, false prophets. He's gone from calling rain down from heaven in a miraculous way, ending a drought of several years. He's outrun the chariot of Ahab. But now a perspective shift comes into his world and his life. 
And this perspective brings fear and despair and self-pity and isolation. How is it possible that somebody can walk under the great power of God and yet then be in such a dire state emotionally and mentally that we would call and use the term here in, in our 21st century language, we would talk about suicidal ideation. This man, this man of God who spoke to kings with such boldness and power now says, I wish I was dead. Oh God, why did you let me live? It would be better that I had finished. And this man, this great man of God goes from power to absolute poverty of spirit. This man goes from having the kind of heart that speaks into drought ridden skies and says, I believe that rain's on the way. This man sends his servant, not once, not twice, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven times says, go and look because you have not yet seen what I see. This man goes from that to verse three. When he saw that, he ran for his life, went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. That's like going to another state. That's how far he went. And then it's so bad then that he leaves his servant behind. He says, I don't want anyone. He says, I don't want anyone around. I'm, I'm so alone. I'm going to be alone. And this man goes and does that. The truth is that fear and worry come from our perspective. Anger and bitterness, if you can hear it this morning. Anger and bitterness come out of our perspective of what's happening in our life. It's unjust, it's unfair, and so bitterness or anger can arise. But just as those things come out of our perspective, so does faith, and so does hope, and so does love come out of our perspective. I'm going to read to you from... This book, I haven't quite finished it yet, but it's one of the best books I've read in a long time. It's Bullies and Saints, written by John Dixon, who's an evangelical Anglican historian and, and a very good speaker. And uh, he's written other books. You can buy it, Great Christmas Present. I'm not selling them, obviously. I know it's in all the major bookshops. I happen to know that Kurong is where it's cheapest. Uh, I know that because Rhonda went and bought one for someone else and she told me, how much did you pay for that? And I told her and she said, what was that? Anyway, it's called Bullies and Saints. And uh, Gregory of Nyssa, it's such a, a refreshing revision of the history that I grew up learning. And this guy's like, there's about 50 pages of footnotes. It's pretty well researched, all right? Everyone here has heard of Martin Luther King. Everyone here has heard of Abraham Lincoln the Emancipation Proclamation. We've heard about all the fight to end slavery. We've heard about Wilberforce and those heroes in England that said this iniquity must end. But I bet most of you, like me, have never heard of Gregory of Nyssa. Gregory of Nyssa was the bishop of that city called Nyssa. Listen to what he said in AD 380. So 380 years after Jesus. He writes this at the height of the Roman Empire, which had a culture of slavery. 
Slavery, that's why some of the things the Apostle Paul says, writing in the midst of a Roman culture, slavery to them was as normal as anything in your life could be normal. This is a, a sermon he preached in AD 380. You condemn man to slavery when his nature is free and possesses free will and you legislate in competition with God, overturning His law for the human species. The one made on the specific terms that He should be the owner of the earth and appointed to government by the Creator. Him you bring under the yoke of slavery. Imagine you're preaching this and there are Roman soldiers outside the church. Imagine that you're preaching that and a centurion or a Roman legion uh, soldier is sitting in the congregation, understanding that Caesar has decreed over and over again that to own a slave, to kill a slave. You know, we've all, you know, every Christmas they bring out the Christmas movies, the ones about Jesus, you know, Ben-Hur. It'll be on some of that stuff. And so imagine that you are saying this, Him you bring under the yoke of slavery as though defying and fighting against the divine decree by dividing the human species in two with slavery and ownership. You have caused it to be enslaved to itself and to be the owner of itself. For what price? Tell me, what did you find in existence worth as much as this human nature? What price did you put on rationality? How many coins did you reckon the equivalent of the likeness of God? How many more expensive coins did you get for selling the being shaped by God? God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Wherever a human being is for sale, therefore, nothing less than the owner of the earth is led into the sale room but has the scrap of paper and the written contract and the counting of those coins deceived you into thinking yourself the master of the image of God. What folly. This man dared to preach such a controversial message. Can you imagine if they'd had Twitter and Instagram and Facebook in that day, it would have been absolutely lighting. As a matter of fact, I think he probably would have been cancelled out of most of those platforms if he had said, which he did say that. And in that space, but my point is, why did he speak like that? Because he had a perspective on the value of humanity, where we live in a culture where the perspective of people is that somehow or other we arose out of the primordial slime over millions and millions of years. And if you believe that, well, you have the choice to believe that, but I don't know, I'd rather believe the Bible that says that God said, let us make man and woman in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the earth. Let them be fruitful and multiply. I think there's a perspective there that lends itself to strength and to mercy and to grace for others. I think that's a great strength and a great perspective to have in your life. And because Gregor of Nyssa saw things from God's perspective, it energised him to fight the evil of slavery against even the might of the Roman Empire. I think about this. I thank God for our ministry of hope in this church. This week, 200 families will, will receive 
uh, the privilege of having a wonderful Christmas. I'll never forget last year, a man who couldn't come on the day when the toys and all that are handed out to families. I remember that he couldn't come on that day and I happened to be coming down the stairs as this man with two boys walked into the church building. Someone had, had let him in there for that and the pastor was waiting for him. Someone handed it to him. And I'll never forget the look on two boys' faces, smile from ear to ear and the dad grinning at the boys, holding them hand by hand as they walked down the stairs. And I'll never forget, but that happened because somebody had a different perspective of the poor. Somebody had a different perspective of their wealth. Someone had a different perspective of what blessing was meant to do that came into their life. Think about it. Your perspective matters so much to the world around you. I will rise and lift my head. For by His mercy, my life was spared. But it wasn't spared just that I might enter into heaven. It was spared for the sake of the kingdom. It was spared for kingdom purpose. Every single one of us called by God to do something great in the earth. It's great in the eyes of God, even if it's not great in the eyes of man. And Elijah's got a perspective shift. If you follow on 1 Kings 19 and get to the end of it. I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks, that Elijah, nothing else happens to him apart from this verse where the Lord says this, now arise and go your way and go and anoint Ben-Haziel to be king over Syria. And he sets him off on a track and there's no injection of, of strength. There's no some kind of, you know, miraculous food that happened 40 days before. The only thing that shifts is that this man receives vision into his heart, a dream into his heart. And if you follow it, then Elijah goes on not just to have a nice ending. He actually goes on to have the most powerful season of his entire ministry. Does more. Go and anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel Mahola, to be prophet in your place, etc. And the perspective shift takes the dispirited and dejected prophet on to having the greatest years of his life. Listen to me this morning. I know this is not a Christmassy kind of message, but some of us here, perhaps we need a perspective shift in our life. Perhaps you are trodden down and you are browbeaten and you have been so worn down by life. And this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to give you a perspective shift in your life. Wants you to say, come on, listen to the still small voice. You've heard the noise of the crowd. You've heard what the media say. You've heard what the, what the government say. But can you hear the still small voice saying the fields are white under harvest, that Jesus is Lord, that He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Habakkuk chapter 1, the prophet looks at the world around him and laments the state of the nation. I always think the Bible reads like today's paper. Verse 3 of Habakkuk chapter 1, he talks about the violence that's around about. That's sheesh. I watched the news this morning. Violence in this place, violence in that place. Hello. Verse 3 talks about strife and contention. About all the controversies. I've never known a time like this in my life where more people are more against somebody else 
than I've ever known in my life. And look, have your opinion. But it really has got to be thoroughly soaked and coated in the grace of God. If you don't, if, come on. I said a year and a half ago or two years ago, I said the, the quality most lacking in today's world is that of mercy. We're toleranced to death and we have no mercy. If you disagree, we'll cancel you. And I'm not setting you up to go rampant. I'm setting you up for the opposite. I'm saying, come on, have a spirit of grace. Have a spirit of mercy in your life. Do you disagree with someone? Oh, please feel free. That's why God gave you a brain and a heart. You're allowed to have your own opinion. Just don't use it to bludgeon somebody else, particularly not another believer. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's good, Pastor. Yeah, go on you, Pastor. I don't agree with you, but good on you. Verse 4, he talks about how powerless the law is. And that there's no justice in the land. Hello, it's like, it's like the six o'clock news, isn't it? And this prophet of God, in the middle of all that saying, God, where are you? And why aren't you doing something? Here's the turning point. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1. He says this, I will stand my watch. I'll set myself on the rampart on the wall and I'm going to watch to see. When Elijah saw that, Habakkuk knows what he sees. He sees a world that is in disorder and dysfunction. But in the middle of his lament, he stops and says, I'm going to watch to see what he will say to me and what I'll answer when I'm corrected. I love the fact that he doesn't just say, we're going to have a debate. He says, God, your perspective wins every time. I'm going to allow you to correct me. I'm going to let you shift my perspective. So watch this as we go through quickly the shifts that happen in his perspective. Verse 4, he says, the just shall live by faith. What a revelation that is. Verse 14, he says, the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Instead of saying it's all hopeless, he looks at it and says, God, it looks hopeless now, but you're going to do something amazing. Verse 20 says, the Lord is in his holy temple. He says, God, I see now you're there. You're on the throne. You're not hiding out the back. You're not in fear. You're in charge. You know what's going on. So let me ask you this morning, where do you need a change in perspective in your life? Where do you need to make a shift? Are you here and you're stressed out about your kids? Here's one of my favourite verses. I've been declaring it for years. Psalm 128 verse 3. My wife will be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of my house. Amen. But I love this one. Your children will be like olive plants all around your table. That means the, that from which the anointing is pressed. Amen. And so I declare that my children are going to be bearers of the Holy Spirit to me. My children are not going to be those that uh, are always wandering here or there. My children are going to be the godly ones that bear you. Oh, that's easy for you to say. No, it's never easy for anyone to say. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14 talks about a, a, a marriage relationship where maybe only one person's a Christian for the unbelieving husband sanctified by the wife. Unbelieving wife sanctified by the husband, otherwise your children would be unclean. But now they're holy. Why? 
Because when somebody stands in a family with a spirit of faith, there is a spiritual ripple effect that goes out over the family. So instead of getting together every day, going, oh God, there they go again, oh God, oh God. Why don't you begin to declare Psalm 128, 3 and 1 Corinthians 7, 14. God, I see my children bearing the Holy Spirit to me. God, I see my children as holy. Amen. Maybe it's your health. But Matthew 8, 17 says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying he himself took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. Amen. That's a perspective shift. You go, oh, Jeff, no, it's not that. It's my finance. They're all, God's so disastrous. Maybe you need to just write out Philippians. I write these things out, by the way. I really do. <laughs> Matter of fact, I think on here. Yep. I write out things just on a piece of card and I carry them around for a couple of weeks and I just look at them and think about them, meditate on them and allow the Word of God to get inside of my heart because I need a perspective shift and I know one quick glance doth not a perspective shift make. Amen. Huh? I remember reading a book once about eyewitness reports where they, they did a study of it and they say, almost 50% of them are woefully inaccurate because people think that it happened like that. When they go back and show them, they go, well, it never was like that at all. We're all subject to that. Amen. Are you all here this morning? Good. I will see what he will say and how I'll answer when I'm corrected so he can adjust and correct my perspective. Let me finish by saying this. The prophet also addresses the delay. Many of you have been waiting for God, waiting for God's answer, waiting for that thing to shift, waiting for that thing to change. Amen. And I get that. I don't know about any of the rest of you here, but I've never done waiting very well. I've done waiting on God well. I wait on God and then the moment I'm out of there, I'm going, well, where is it? And how come it's not here? I just prayed like, hello. How long does it take? Now, I know the rest of you are far more patient than me. You're more relaxed. You're more chilled out. That's wonderful. Maybe you've been delayed in the answer. Then let me read to you from out of the same prophet. Because see, he gets a different perspective. I, you, if you read the whole book of Habakkuk, it's not very long. A couple of chapters. And watch this guy go from being, Oh, God! Life's terrible. This, this nation's a mess. And then there's that verse, I'll see what he'll say to me. And then everything starts to shift in this guy's life. And listen to what he says in verse 3 of Habakkuk chapter 2. For the vision's yet for an appointed time. He didn't say, one day my prince will come. He didn't say, in the sweet by and by. One day, he's not talking about one day. He says there's an appointed time. There's a time where it's going to happen. Your vision, your dream. Come on, I know there's people here in this place and you go, oh, Jeff, I've been praying so long, I'm about ready to quit. And I'm here today to say to you, the Holy Spirit says there's an appointed time. Don't quit, amen. Don't quit. Don't not turn up to the appointment. Don't go, oh, I've had to wait too long. Make sure you 
pencil that thing and go, oh God, I'm going to keep going until my appointment comes. No wonder in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, he writes this to the church at Ephesus. He says, I'm praying for you that the eyes of your understanding, the eyes, what you see of your understanding will be enlightened. I heard the Holy Spirit, I believe. I'll leave it to you to judge. But I believe I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, tell the church it's time to dream again. Tell the church it's time to dream again. And I don't know who it is in this place or on with us online. I don't know who it is in this service that you need to start dreaming again. Maybe your whole perspective has got locked into what's not happening and, and how you got into it and how this happened and whose fault it was and if only I hadn't have and all the rest of that stuff. But would you just pause that for a minute and would you hear today the Holy Spirit say to you, come on, it's time to dream again. It's time to dream again. Come on, it's time to dream again. Father, I pray today in Jesus' name for every single one, every person here, you know their life and I don't. You know their circumstances, Lord, and I don't. But God, I know that you who know are today speaking to so many people and letting them hear your voice to them. Come on, it's time to dream again. Lord, I pray that they'll let you correct their perspective where they've allowed disappointment, hurt, maybe even anger and bitterness, maybe just a sense of hopelessness to fill their life. But today, Lord, they're going to see what you will say to their life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, for each one, wherever they are, whoever they are, whether it's in their business life, their family life, their personal life, whether it's in their health or some other place, because of Jesus, because of Jesus, because of Jesus. Team, come, we're just going to sing that for a minute. I don't know how much time I have, but I'm just going to do it anyway. We'll sing the carol when we finish, but I want us just to sing that chorus. I will rise. I want you this morning, if that's you, just to let these words become your prayer to God. God, I will rise. I will lift my head. For by His mercy, my life was spared. The highest name has set me free. Just like happened to Elijah. Just like happened to Habakkuk. Let Him do it for you this morning. Come on, while you're seated, just take a minute. Just say to the Lord, Lord, help me today. I will rise. Come on. By His mercy, my life was spared. The highest name has set me free. Because of Jesus, my heart is clean. So I will rise and lift my head. For by
I always knew God was there or most days I knew He was there. I saw the evidence of it in other people's lives, really. It wasn't a church that convinced me. It was watching people that seemed to not just attend church or have good character or obey a set of rules or even know the Bible. What I saw was people that had a joy that seemed otherworldly to me. I saw people with a peace that just, they walked through stuff that many others stumbled at. And it was them really that convinced me. I could have argued and debated away all the science and all of the philosophy part of it. But those people, they made me stop. Because I started to think, well, you know, God, if you're real, it looks like you've done it for them. What I needed to know was that it wasn't just for them, but it was for someone like me. See, I'd already made up my mind that pretty much it worked for some people, just not me. I still remember where I was when there was an opening of my eyes. I got to see a different perspective. I saw that it wasn't about my goodness and my strength, but it was about what Jesus did. And that made my yes so much easier. Because it wasn't saying, yes, I'm going to be amazing. Yes, look what I'll do. Yes, look, hey, I've got it. I was saying, I'm saying yes to what you did. I'm saying yes because I know you can do it. And maybe you're in this service this morning. Maybe you're in front of me here or you're online. Every single week, almost without fail, people say yes to Jesus. I love it. I'm never tired of it. I don't know their names. I don't know where they live. But my heart always leaps because I know there's someone else that's starting a walk with Jesus. And so we pray for them. I pray for you. I pray that you'll keep walking with God and allow the fullness of what God has for your life to, to become your daily reality. If you're in this service and you say, Jeff, I, I don't know that. I'm on the outside looking in like you used to be. Can I tell you, it just takes a yes. Nothing more difficult than that. An open heart. Your yes just says, come into my life. When you do that, and I hope you will today, when you do that, send us your yes. The details are up on the screen for you right now. The phone number for it, if you want to text YES, just three letters. It's 0488-826-392. If you are outside of Australia or you want to get it via email, it's yes.metrochurch.org.au. If you're with us at metrochurch.online, press the yes button. That's right there for you right now. And when you do that, we'll send you the next day after you do it. We'll send you a Bible verse, different one every day for 30 days. You can opt out whenever you like. We'll send you a prayer because we want to help you hear from God and learn how to have conversation with Him. We'd love to do that with you. Father, thank You for each one of them in Jesus' Name. Wherever they are. Wherever they are. If you're right in front of me right now, just while heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If that's you and you say, Jeff, I'm saying yes to Jesus today, pray for me personally. 
quite embarrassing, but if that's you, you can slip your hand up right now and put it back down again. And I'll see you and I'll pray with you this morning, right where you are. I'll, I'll pray with everyone online. I'm looking up in the balcony as well as down below. If that's you, just slip your hand up now and say, Jeff, I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Jeff, I want Jesus in my life. I'm going to allow Him to come and begin to bring His life, His joy, His peace into my heart because of Jesus. Then Father, we thank You for each person that will respond to You, however they want to do it, so privately with the yes text. I pray God that there'll be a wonderful, wonderful awareness of You filling them, saving them in Jesus' Name. Everybody said, Amen, for by His mercy my life was spent. I think we should sing it just one more time. Can we do that? For by His mercy, my life was spent. The highest name has set me free. Because of Jesus, my heart is clean. Because of Jesus, my heart is clean. Oh, that's a beautiful song to take into the week. I don't know about you, but sometimes the songs we sing on a Sunday become earworms for me all week long. They just keep running around my head and I thank God for them. Thank God for the truth that's in them and the power and the strength that's in it. I pray that in the next six sleeps before Christmas time, I pray you'll have just a time of rest somehow or other in the midst of the hurly-burly of it all. But just to remind you that it's Christmas time. Uh, this week, I hope it's pretty busy, isn't it? What's happening? Tell us about it. What's happening? What's happening? Yeah. Um, well, we're getting ready to give out 200 hampers and gifts for 300 children. <laughs> wow. Just a little bit busy. Wow. Can we just have a big hand? All the Hope team. I see Graham and Sylvia back there and others of you that I know are serving in there. Uh, people have volunteered this year like amazing ways. I met a couple at your Christmas celebration on Wednesday, was it? Uh, they didn't even speak any English yet. Uh, but they'd heard about Hope and they said, we want to come and help. I'm not sure how your sign language is going or, or your Mandarin classes, but well done Luckily, for that. I can understand a couple of words. So you can? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can speak I can Mandarin. Thank you. That's the main, that's you? The main thing that I need to say well to done. my that's <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's going to be a great week for sure. Don't forget tonight, online only. And that's on Resilience, following up from Eileen Green's amazing story that impacted so many. And then, of course, is it Friday night? Is Friday night Christmas Eve? Friday night's Christmas Eve. That's one hour. I'm going to speak about frapping. Not rapping, frapping. Uh, then Christmas morning, again, one hour at 8.30. Then the next uh, day is actually Boxing Day, but it's a Sunday, one hour service again. And uh, it'll be an amazing, amazing weekend. I hope you can come to some of those, if not all of them. And now we're going to sing The First Noel. Is that right? The First Noel. The First Noel. Such an Australian name, isn't it? Noel.